Hello and welcome to the Dot Ball Cricket Podcast. I'm Ken Borland and very pleased to have once again as my guests, former Proteus Paul Harris and John Kent. And uh, we're, we're the podcast that uh, has a really in-depth look at South African cricket, both domestically as our uh, summer season gets into full swing and of course the Proteas and uh, sadly there was no miracle for the Proteas uh, at the ICC T20 World Cup uh, this week uh, dropping out of the race for the semi-finals despite uh, winning four of their five games and beating the number one side in the world England who are everyone's favourites to actually go on to win the World Cup and uh, that happened because of net run rate um yeah john paul uh how do you guys see this dude should we be praying for the future of south african cricket after another world cup disappointment or are you guys hopeful that actually uh this world cup showed things are are heading in a good direction look i think uh certainly did better than what a lot of people gave uh you know south africa hopeful uh, during the during the tournament um, I actually think they were getting sort of better and better as the tournament went on. Um, I think that the fact that we had to really score quickly in that last game freed us up. You could almost see there was a bit more sort of freedom in the way that uh, um, Rassi played and certainly um, Markram. I mean, he was just uh, amazing, both of them. So, I mean, I do think that they, you know, the fact that we won four to five games and were knocked out the World Cup is a bit of a travesty. But, uh, you know, if you'd said to us in the beginning of the tournament without knowing what the result would be, you're going to win four out of five, you would have taken that, including beating England. You know, you would have taken it. You know, we probably we were poor, not probably, we were poor at the bat against uh, Australia. We didn't really read the conditions well. Where 140, 130, 140 probably would have been a winning score. Uh, we didn't read those conditions all that well there. And that uh, ended up costing us. I don't think necessarily, I know a lot of people have looked at that Bangladesh game where it took us 12 overs to sort of chase down the 80-odd runs we needed to win. Um, I, I mean, I don't really look at that one as the deciding factor. I look more at the Australian game. We had lost three quick wickets up front. Um, you know, you never know what could happen. Whereas the Aussies, they didn't lose those quick wickets up front. They sort of were up to a flyer. So, you know, it's easier you know, said. It's, you know, it's easier to say on the sides you should have gone a bit quicker. Um, having said that, obviously, hindsight's a perfect science. And obviously, we should have gone a bit quicker. But I think we actually lost it against that Australian side. Yeah, I'm, I'm I'm with you, Paul. Um, and it was interesting to hear Mark Boucher actually after the the England game, um, also pinpoint the Aussie game, and he he just said, you know, they lost the toss, they were sent in. It was the first game of the tournament. Uh, they misread conditions, as you said, they went a bit too hard, uh, thinking 140, 150, uh, when 130 actually uh, w- w- would have been enough. Uh, John, are you are you agreeing with Paul and I? And just on the batting, uh, do you feel like the, the next T20 World Cup is less than a year away uh, in Australia? Very different conditions. Uh, do we need to do major work in our batting? Do we do we need to become a lot more attacking than they have showed in this World Cup? Yeah, I do think that is an element we could we could still improve. Obviously, we. We always sort of read the conditions pretty well and play accordingly. Um, like Paul said, is when we have to go hell for leather, we've shown we can do it. So what I'm saying is, why don't we see this approach more often from some of our batsmen? 
in, in terms of, you know, the guys who are rates are strike rates are between 100 and 115 uh, over the, the course of their careers. The guys, it's shown that they can play that type of cricket. So they just choose on occasion not to in a, in a way. So I'm, I'm just saying, let's try and let's try and push these guys out of their zones more often because like we saw Rassi can do that. He can score 200 strike rate. It's very possible that he can do this. And that's what we must push guys to play in that way as often as we possibly can, because we've seen now against England that when we do put guys under pressure, we can play unbelievable cricket. And that's what we want to be forcing our guys to play, because in Australia, it's not going to be 120, 130 wickets. We're going to have to score 180, 200 every game if we want to win the tournament. So we've got to get that sort of mindset right, I think. Um, yeah, it's obviously massively disappointing with what's happened. I think our, our bowling attack has been really, you know, probably one of the best bowling attacks in the whole tournament. So, you know, obviously we're doing good things. Um, how do we get better? You know, there's a couple of ways which we could really try and push ourselves to be better in certain aspects. And if we can do that, you know what I mean? We really have a good chance. Um, obviously, the selectors, they'll obviously have to run through how we can improve or, or get, still get better in terms of our squad or the way we're playing our cricket. And obviously, that's where guys like Victor and, and Bouch will have to sit together and try and come out, of, come out of that with some, you know, even better ways we can still improve. Yeah, I, th- I think personally that... Um there needs to be a really big focus uh, in this next year on our T20 batting and locally as well. Guys have to be really pushed, as you say, John, to, to get those strike rates up uh, and, and for us to fit in with uh, the sort of international benchmark, which is 130 plus. Uh, we, we need to having guys uh, at least getting to that mark uh, and and as you say, I think Australia, the totals are going to be very big. Uh, so we need to be preparing ourselves for that. Uh, Paul, one, one guy, and you did mention him, who uh, has really uh, lived up to that. Uh, well, he, he's really um, moving in the right direction, strike rate-wise, should we say. Uh, an amazing transformation in Aidan Markram's game uh, from an opening batsman who... You know, before the World Cup, his place was in doubt uh, in that squad. Uh, moves into the middle order, and and for me, probably South Africa's player of the tournament. Uh, if we add in also just some useful bowling, uh, where his economy rate was just six point eight five uh, runs to the over, uh, he averaged fifty four in the World Cup at a strike rate of one hundred and forty five. How impressed have you been, Paul, with him and? How difficult is it for a guy to totally change his game like that? I'm not sure he's totally could change his game. I mean, I saw him do this, uh, albeit for, uh, you know, in, in domestic cricket for the Titans for, uh, you know, long periods of time. You know, there was, uh, I think, a couple of seasons ago where he got, I think, four big hundreds, uh, including, I think, close to a double hundred in, in, in 50 over cricket, albeit 50 over cricket. And his white ball form for... Uh, you know, for the for the Titans has been incredible. I think what 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 he needed was maybe a bit of confidence um, in the international game. Uh, maybe you know selected maybe a bit too quickly, a bit young, uh, and uh, you know I think when the captaincy was thrust on him as well, it was a bit too much pressure to it. But you know certainly he has gone away. He's obviously got a lot stronger. He's got uh, guns like Puff Dupasina, and um, 
you know, you can see the guys, uh, you know, ball to hit the ball far. And he's one of those guys that can hit the ball right around the wicket. I think he's an outstanding player. I really do. I think he, you know, I know that the Australians uh, think of him highly. Uh, I think he's a, he's a world-class player. And uh, he's still also a future leader. So, you know, I mean, it's all there. I mean, I honestly think that it was this World Cup was hugely positive for South African cricket. Uh, you know, we took, a, as per usual, South African team took something that was, you know, could have been, could have blown up and been incredibly negative with the sort of getting forced to kneel. Uh, you know, the players came out unified, uh, you know, led well by Bavuma off the field. And, uh, you know, we, we, we've won four out of five games and been knocked out of a World Cup. I mean, you know, I think we really did incredibly well. Um, you know, like I said before, if, we, if I'd offered that to us at the start of the tournament, not being knocked out, but the fact that we would play like this, um, you know, barring one game where we were off the ball in the first game, you know, we were pretty good in this World Cup. So a bit unlucky. But certainly the signs are there that this side has uh, has gelled nicely together. Um, and as I said, led well, you know, especially off the field by Temba Bavuma. And I think they can only improve. Um, I'm, I'm really looking forward to watching this white ball side uh, continue over the next two years. Yeah, I agree, Paul. I, th- I think they can hold their heads high. Uh, certainly exceeded expectations uh, at this World Cup. Uh, John, looking ahead, uh, you, you mentioned that they're still areas where they can improve uh, as a team. Uh, that's that's a given, obviously. Um, but do you feel like the core of this World Cup squad uh, is going to be the side in Australia in a year's time? I mean, for me, we've got... It's been great to see that middle order of Rassi, Aidan Markram and, and David Miller is still uh, a pretty reliable finisher, the best in the country at what, what he does. Um, so we've kind of got that middle order sorted, uh, in my opinion. Uh, I guess it's just at the top, and where does Temba Bavuma uh, exactly fit in uh, looking ahead to Australia? Yeah, I think, like you said, they got, those are the guys. Obviously, Quinny was a bit, you know, unfortunately didn't really step like, get involved in a massive winning team uh, you know, match-winning winning score that we've been hoping for. Um, that's obviously something that I'm sure will click and, and come right. He's a too good a player to miss out for very long. I think the likes of a of a Reza, the likes of a a Klaassen, you know, those are the guys, you know, sort of in limbo there. You know, are they going to stay there? Are they going to be replaced, uh, so to speak? And who would those players coming in be? Um, I suppose those are the, those are the areas. I suppose if you want to look at gaps, those are the Markham's outstanding. So proud of how he's done. Uh, and the Millers, you know, winning that game out of nowhere against Sri Lanka, amazing stuff from him. And that's what we want to keep getting from him. I'd like to get him up the order. We talked about long time. You know, I don't know why Clarkson's coming in ahead of him. To be perfectly honest, at this moment, uh, having the likes of Funderson at three. Um, Markram, inform Markram at four, Miller at five, you know, those sort of things, unless they want to try to lengthen the order for some reason. Um, so I'd say those are the sort of positions that might be uh, vulnerable, I suppose, at some point, um, the likes of a, of a, of a Hendricks or, or a Klaassen possibly. Um, and, and I'd say those are the really roles. I think the other guys have really done well. And Didi, um, RPL hasn't played, this tournament hasn't played, so... You know, he has been off the field for quite a long time now, which is a bit worrying for me. Um, obviously, Nokia, Rabada, you know, Pretorius did a good job at the death. Um, I suppose, you know, how, what's the future there with his batting, bowling? You know, where's that going to go? So I suppose those sort of assessments are going to have to take place very soon. 
Look, I think the biggest one for me, the biggest one for me is that Timber has to open. Uh, I just don't see anywhere else for him to bat. I really, just, I just don't. Uh, you know, he has to open the batting. You know, him and Kuni together, they could, you know, they could form a, you know, a formidable partnership together there at the top. Also, the field's in easier for him to hit boundaries. And he's proven when he bats in that position, he's done really well. So, you know, he did well in this World Cup at certain times, but the strike rate's always a worry, especially when he comes in at four, three or four after the power play. If he's already on 30, you know, or 25 or 30 off, you know, when the power play is done, then it's, then it's fine. He's in. He can then, you know, find the boundaries. He's proven that. But um, I think we missed the trick with Temba. I think he should have been at the top of the order. Um, you know, you can always have, if you, you know, if you need reason to play at, at three, you can bat, you can bat three. Uh, but I think he's more suited to three than what a Temba is, for example. So I, mean, I really yeah, think that we yeah. missed the trick there. And, you know, to answer the, 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 the question from my side, where, where does Temba bat? There's only one spot for him to bat, and that's uh, one or two. Yeah, I, I think especially in Australia, where, you know, you, you can't afford to have a guy coming in um, middle overs and, you know, striking at 120. Um, you know, they're, they're going to have to push hard uh, on those pitches in Australia. So, yeah, for me, Timber, he's got the game to score boundaries in the power play um, and let him open uh, with Quinney uh, and then Russi, Markram, Miller. Um, I, I think there's space for some batsmen in South African domestic cricket to really put their hand up. Uh, to to bring dominant performances, consistent performances, um, and and get into that middle order, um, and and also I'd like to see some more pace bowlers maybe uh, putting their hand up uh, uh, to to be included in that T20 World Cup. I mean, Nokia and Rabada are a superb opening pair. I thought Nokia was just unbelievable at this World Cup, um, sheer pace, but also to bowl with that control. Uh, and Lungi and Gidi, um, he will definitely come into the picture in, in Australia, I imagine. Uh, spinners sorted. Um, John, as you said, Dwayne Pertoy's great job as an all-rounder. We've got Vian Mulder as well, uh, and Dile Petlequire. But just maybe another another pace bowler who um, can really crack it on the, on the international stage. Anyone that, that you guys think might be a, a kind of bolter to to make it to the World Cup next year? I think um, in the domestic stuff, uh, that I suppose the, the fast bowlers, the guys in the over 140 region, I suppose uh, Darren de Pavlon did pretty well in that T20 competition. Um, you know, Buren Hendricks has just sort of fallen away a little bit of late in the T20 competition, didn't play of late in some games recently. Um, you look at uh, Magala, that's someone maybe. He just took six wickets in some four-day cricket uh, now. But in that T20 competition, he proved again that he can bowl at the death. Um, and that's always, I suppose, a, a worry over, you know, we've talked about this for quite a while over the last few months, is is that death bowling role. Um, you know, he, he sort of fits the role of uh, maybe a Pretorius, you could say, um, who, who fulfilled the death bowling in this tournament uh, as a specialist death bowler. Um, Magala could be the guy, you know, he could vie for a place with Ngidi even, if you think about it, in terms of the pace bowling. And he offers a good set of hands. He's a good athlete. He hits the ball a long way, obviously superior with a bat ahead of Ngidi, you would say, um, in that aspect. So that's a, a nice dynamic to have looking going forward, I would think. Paul, any uh, players you think locally who uh, could get themselves into contention? 
Look, I think it's. I think that the, the look, the guys are pretty settled at the top there. I think Sapamla as well has done 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 pretty well when he's come in. I see he also got some wickets uh, in, the, in the franchise stuff recently. Um, I think our bowling is pretty settled. Um, I, you know, I think there's enough there. You know, to to you know, if someone gets injured, there's enough backup. I think where we got to look in the depth is in, the, in our depth in all rounders. And that's one area where we want to really have a look at. Um, I don't think that there's an out and out all round. I know Grant Victoria's did well, but in these conditions, it'll suit his bowling. You go to Australia on those weekends, and it uh, might not. So, uh, you know, what are we looking for? We're looking for a batting all rounder. We're looking for a bowling all rounder. I think we're looking for a bowling all rounder, a seeming all rounder. Uh, they don't grow on trees, I know that, but that's the sort of area we're looking in, I think, to balance that side out a bit more. So, you know, I will. Uh, that's what I'd look out for. I'd look out for that. I think our seam bowling riches are good. Our spin bowling riches are good. Um, but that all-rounder spot is the one area where we need someone to stand up. A youngster, you know, I'm not sure who's uh, all-rounder-wise who's out there. But, you know, besides the obvious guys that have been on the circuit for a while. But that's where I'd be looking if I was Mark Boucher. To look for a guy that can sort of, I know that, as I said, that, you know, they're hard to find. But someone that can, you know, hold a bat and can sort of, you know, score a, a decent strike right at the back end if needed. And they can also bowl and uh, bowl quite mm. brisk. Yeah, um, John, we know Dwayne Pretorius is, is so effective on the subcontinent with those uh, skills of his. Uh, Australian pitchers, do you do you feel a guy like Vian Mulder, he could maybe do the job there? Or uh, are we looking for someone who's got more skills, more variety? Yeah, I think um, yeah, I think Mulder's probably got a little, little bit more pace than a Pretorius these days, I would think. Um, obviously, Pretorius's experience has obviously served him well in this tournament. Um, and Milda, obviously, you know, is trying to get him into that setup as soon as possible, I'm sure, um, with the longevity, you know, in his career still to come. Um, but, yeah, I don't know. It's a tough one. You, like you say now, like like I agree with Harrow in those Australian conditions with with that sort of pace, taking the pace off it. You know, the wickets he's been playing on, they've just been dying and they've been tough to get away. Um, in Australia, those are good decks, and they're not going to give you much. The ball's not going to hold up that much. The, the cutters might not even be nearly as effective. Um, obviously, the grounds are a lot bigger. Um, so, obviously, spin would probably be important as well in those games. But that extra pace um, and execution under pressure is going to be very important. So, you know, just pulling one out the hat's not going to be easy. As Paul says, they don't, they don't come around very often. But maybe those sort of guys that are on the fringes um, and performances now in, in that MSL in February are going to be that much more important uh, to see who's really in that in the running for those positions when it comes to the crunch time. Yeah, Paul, you, you might be a bit biased, but um, on big grounds, flat decks, is that when spin maybe comes in a bit more? I mean, could we play three spinners? Uh, a guy like George Linder, uh, who can obviously bat a bit as well. Well, he first needs to make the squad, right? Yeah, yeah. So, yeah. <laughs> so that would be the first, the first point of call. Look, yes, I think yes and no, um, depending on conditions. I think three is maybe a bit of an overkill, um, especially because I don't think that any of them, maybe George, could. Uh, I think he needs to improve a touch more with uh, with his batting to be able for us to be able to include three. But certainly there is the option there if, uh, if, if, if needed. I don't see us playing, certainly in Australia, with three spinners, but I certainly see us playing with two. Um, I think, uh, you know, Shamsi and uh, Maharaj will be uh, playing most of the white ball cricket for South Africa for quite some time. Uh, I think spinners have proven, 
you know, around the world. But if you can have a good uh, wrist spinner and a good left arm spinner in your attack, it makes uh, it makes a huge difference. Um, and you know, bearing in mind that that uh, Kesh can bat a bit. So I mean, we're not going to rely on him to win too many, but he can bat a bit. So um, I wouldn't expect us to play three, but the fact that we have the option, and you know, Fortain hasn't disgraced himself either. So you know, he, possibly not as good at the bat, but uh, certainly with the ball, he hasn't. Also, you know, he can also do a job. So I think the spin bowling riches are, are great for South Africa. It's good to see. Um, but I still think there's that need for that seam bowling all rounder. I think, especially when you're going into different conditions. You know, not all these tournaments are played in subcontinental conditions. Um, I thought that these conditions suited our bowling lineup uh, because we had the out and out pace and then two very good spinners. It suited us. Um, you know, in Australia, you know, you're probably going to have to use all your variations uh, because it's flat and also the big grounds. So yes, uh, spinners come into the game there as well. So I don't see it changing too much. I don't see this uh, this T20 side changing too much. Um, you know, if there's, a, I think the only spot that's really up for grabs, besides maybe one or two batting spots, um, is that all-rounder position. I think if you're a youngster now, you know, and you and you're looking to improve your game, uh, that's the spot I'd look mm. to be targeting. Right. Well, the next assignment for the Proteus, and it's in about. Uh, I think about three weeks, is uh, a one-day series against the Netherlands. And uh, John Kent, uh, considering that this is all part of the ICC Super League for World Cup qualification, uh, South Africa really struggled in ODI cricket lately. Uh, 3-0, no, nothing else is going to suffice, is it? Yeah, it's, uh, it's a series. Yeah, they've got a couple of weeks to get back to it. Uh, there's a bit of forward cricket domestically before this, but I'm sure some of the guys being in the bubble for quite some time will probably have a break from some of these four days and then gather, gather in a camp before these uh, these games in the Netherlands. They, they they didn't perform at all well in the World Cup, Netherlands. So they are, yeah, they'll be hurting about that uh, and, and wanting to come back pretty strong. Ryan Campbell, the, the ex-Aussie batsman and head coach, there's had to put a few fires out there with a bit of pressure on him. But, you know, they, they, they're a proud sort of nation of, of cricketers and they put together a decent squad of guys from who've come from around the world pretty much with some Dutch heritage. Um, and and there won't be a, a walkover. I think they'll be similar along the lines of some of these lesser sides who have qualified for this World Cup. Um, but also, you know, who, how are we going to take this? How are we going to um, approach this? You know, there's, there's guys in that side who, like a Milan who started off well in ODI cricket, so he would... You know, you'd think he'd come back into that side um, and who's going to make way out of this T20 group because most of this T20 group will just walk into this ODI side naturally. Um, I don't know what other sort of changes maybe Paul can weigh in. And most of the guys have pretty much been amongst those setups. There haven't been too many guys that have been uh, in one format of white ball and not in the other. A lot of them have been pretty much shifted across, straight across. And I think that'll probably probably happen unlikely yeah give us your your views paul but i also just want to hear, hear from you on uh, are you looking forward to uh, seeing your old mate rulof van der Merwe, uh, in the netherlands team as well yeah it's always good to see uh, to see the bulldog uh we're wonderful to uh, to have him back obviously his old haunting ground he knows the conditions well he's uh, formed cheapest for 10 years maybe longer for uh, for the titans at that ground so he'll be looking forward to getting back i'm sure we'll catch up for a phantom brown or two at some stage but um look one thing i'd like to see is i'd like to see consistency in selection just because it's holland uh you know the dutch side doesn't mean we must now start uh, you know experimenting and 
you know, picking all the different players. I'd like to see the core nucleus, core group of guys playing and uh, and putting in a dominant performance. If we uh, happen to win by, I don't know, 10 wickets or 300 runs, so be it. Um, you know, I don't like the story now of giving everyone a turn. Uh, you know, that happens at primary school these days. It irritates me. So, you know, I want us to really put our best team out, uh, you know, give them the hiding that they're probably going to deserve coming here. It sounds harsh, but it is fair. And, uh, and and show that sort of ruthlessness and get this team used to winning games. You know, we just won four out of five. Uh, you know, winning becomes a habit. Stupid cliche, but it's true. So, you know, really put the foot down because we've got, we've got India coming here, I think, at the end of the year. And uh, and be on a massive high, you know, when they when they get here, because we're going to need uh, sort of all the skill and all the sort of confidence that we can get uh, to beat them. Yeah, it's uh, interesting that uh, Temba Bavuma actually highlighted um, one of the reasons South Africa have turned their fortunes around this year is that they've kept pretty much the same squad together. Uh, so I'm with you. I, I don't want to see players resting just because it's the Netherlands. Uh, I want to see as many of our top players. Uh, in action because we we can't be messing around in this RCC Super League anymore either. Uh, We can't afford to slip up, so that's got to be a a 3-0 win. And uh, yeah, Rulof and Amava, the only player able to try and flick the ball over mid-wicket and get a six over backward point. (laughs) Let's uh, chat chat about domestic cricket a bit. And uh, the Central Gauteng Lions have uh, roared to the top of the four day f- uh, series log with two innings wins and uh, t- quite astonishingly this last weekend in uh, at St George's Park they only scored 170 in their first innings but it was enough to win by an innings because they bowled out Eastern Province Warriors for 96 and 54 uh, that pace attack Duan Rulifia, Luto Sapamla, Sasanda Magala and Melusi Saboto uh, John Kent is at the best attack in the country domestically. Uh, yeah, that's what I've been looking on Twitter. They've been they've been touted and Olafia coming back and slipping in there straight away and and cleaning up already. Um, Sapamla has been steady as he always is in this format, just chipping away. And Sapamla was really good to see him in the first innings, picking up six uh, and and Magala six for twenty in the second innings. But yeah, that's it's quite a strange run because the the Warriors had a really good win uh, the weekend before. Um, and they got absolutely blown away. I just, yeah, I was trying to think, you know, some of the lowest first-class scores the uh, the Warriors would have gotten over the years, and that's probably one of the worst ever. They do, if if my memory is correct, they do actually have the worst uh, in the franchise series. I, I think the Knights, they, they might even have been the Eagles at that stage, uh, bowled them out for 34 or something, 34, 35. Uh, or something so yeah I guess that St George's Park must have been uh, quite a minefield uh, Eastern Province their, their win uh, the previous in the first round of matches came against the Northern's Titans of course who uh, have lost one and drew uh, against the KZN Dolphins uh, very slow and, and flat super sport park pitch uh, Port Harris, your impressions of what's happened in the four-day domestic competition thus far? Sure. I mean, on your sort of karting-based side, the, you know, the Lions, they, they, they've got to be favourites, don't they? Probably got the best body lineup in the country by quite some distance. Uh, nice to see a couple. In the first round, I think it was a couple of big hundreds. Uh, Kai Zonda getting a double hundred. 
I think there were actually two double hundreds, if I'm not mistaken. Yes, Yanaman uh, Malan. Yanaman Malan also got a double hundred. Mm. So good to see guys getting big runs. That's what you want. Mm. And also guys getting, uh, you know, big wicket hauls. Uh, you know, I think, see, I think Satamla got six for. Um, so that's a good. That's good to see him, uh, you know, in the wickets. And uh, my, my beloved uh, Titans team need to catch a wake up. It seems, uh, you know, they uh, didn't do too well on the T20 stuff, and uh, well, they didn't do well by their sort of. Uh, Standards and and also you know I think it was quite a narrow loss, uh, the first one, but a loss is a loss I suppose and uh, you know they need to sort of pull their socks up there. But uh, certainly uh, you know whenever I watch four day cricket, you want, but you don't get to watch much of it. Whenever you look at the results, you're looking for guys to put out standout performances. You know if you if you can get a sort of big hundred like these double hundreds you're getting and shows you get that time. You know you want these youngsters to come and learn from that and do that. And if you you know we want the the bowlers to see that you want match-winning performances, and you know you don't just rock up and get six fizz in four-day cricket. You've got to put in processes. And, you know you've got to be consistent, and you know we want to try and build uh, as strong as we can first-class systems so they can feed that testing, so that we can sort of get back up the the, the ladder and start competing and winning that match back. Yeah, and uh, w- one of the guys to make a hundred as well, that forgotten protea Peter Mullen, uh, opening batsman. So, yeah, good, good to see good strong performances. John, uh, the Northwest Dragons—they've uh, beaten by an innings uh, by the Lions at the Wanderers on the first weekend, lost by ten wickets at home uh, this weekend to the Free State Knights. So, are you a bit concerned about uh, their their form so far, having come? having been promoted, if you like, to the top table? Yeah, I think they're, they're under a bit of early pressure uh, in this in this competition. They you know, su- surprised a few of us with some really good performances in the T20. They almost went all the way, really. Um, and, and since they've gone to the four-day stuff there, in the middle order, Hannah couldn't come back, back in and they're sort of batting at four. Um, I think they've got a bit of an issue batting at three, uh, slightly guys with maybe lesser experience. Um, Wesley Marshall, I saw, is opening the batting. Um, he's going along at sort of more than a runner ball, but you know, getting himself out for between ten and sort of thirty. Uh, no one's really batting a, a, a serious period of time. Um, I suppose also on the on the bowling front, um, they gave uh, uh, under S under nineteen leg spinner his debut. I saw Seleka. Um, he didn't really bowl. A heck of a lot, but there's Sen Mutasami who who moved to that province, uh, so he's batting in the middle order. He, obviously, they they're going to really rely on guys like the Hana Kuns, Nikki Funnebergs, Mutasamis, to to put up some big numbers. Um, in terms of bowling, they've got a guy like a Hawken, who is basically leading their their attack. Um, he's had a few injury issues along the way. I know they got Marco Janssen's brother also, uh, Duan uh, Janssen also there. He's a left arm seamer. Did, fairly nicely in the T20 competition but yeah they, they, they're really battling um, to get some partnerships uh, with the bat and yeah they've played uh, you know two, two decent sides and they've been rolled over pretty comfortably well we're going to uh, end it on that note then uh, don't forget to subscribe to the Dot Ball Cricket Podcast uh, if you'd like to always be up to date with when we release a program and uh, you can also follow us and uh, get hold of us on twitter which is at dot ball podcast or one word uh, thanks very much paul thanks very much john thanks guys. Uh, yeah looking Good forward man. to our summer really getting into full swing now and uh, of course india 
on their way and uh, that's going to be extremely exciting. Goodbye for now. <laughs>